0: And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, HollywoodTakeover.com slash S-E-A-N. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature. They'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal not taken over the title to your home? You can find out with sign-up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, SEAN. Who does Sean Hannity choose when diversifying his savings with gold and silver? None other than the top-rated precious metals company, Goldco. Goldco is a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped tens of thousands of Americans place over $2 billion
1: in gold and silver they're sean hannity's top choice and right now they're
0: offering up to ten thousand dollars in bonus silver while supplies last go to hannitygold.com to learn more that's hannitygold.com all right thanks scott shannon and thanks to all of you our toll-free number is 800-941 sean if you want to be a part of the program you know i'm some of you are involved in this little pity party you know you know state of mind you need to snap out of it you really need to snap out of it. And I'm, and I'm serious. You've got to understand there is an ebb, there is a flow to election cycles. Sometimes there's no reason why, wherefore. But in this case, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of lessons to be learned and a review that will take place. And I think some, some changes need to be made and they will be made. I mean, You know, I was thinking about this today. Linda, think about this. I started my radio career in 1987. Ronald Reagan was president. You weren't even born yet, were you? That's correct. What year were you born?
2: (laughs) What did I tell you about asking ladies the rage?
0: you got a real problem with this. So I do not have a problem with this. It's just that it's good fun watching you bubble and fizz Mm -hmm. like Alka-Seltzer in water. That's right. So Reagan was president when I got into radio. And by the way, there were people, that radio station I started at, they hated my guts because I like Ronald Reagan. Oh, my gosh. Um, Went through one term of Bush 41. And then in 92 was the election of of Bill Clinton. I had just finished a stint in Huntsville, Alabama, and in October of 92, and I left in October of 96 uh, in Atlanta. I had four great years there. By the way, when I left Alabama, the local paper editorialized goodbye to the talk show host from hell. When I left Atlanta, they had a year end edition in 1996. Uh, 1996 was a good reason, good year for two reasons. The Olympics came and Hannity left. That makes, should I have a complex over that? I don't know. Maybe it's a badge of honor. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, then there's the election of Bill Clinton in, in what, 92. And he's president to 2000. But in the interim, there, I'm in Georgia and I'm the MC on the night of 1994. Republicans have been out of power. Imagine this out of the House. They did not have control of the House of Representatives for 40 long years. That's like 40 years in the wilderness, something about the years, 40 years. But And sure enough, it was one of the most exciting nights of my life. I was emceeing Newt Gingrich's event at the Cobb Galleria. And it was just an incredible time, an incredible night, an incredible wave election. Uh, A lot of it in in reaction to, to Bill Clinton, who went hard left when he first, his first two years as president. He then moderated his views quite a bit, actually. You know, the era of big government is over and the end of welfare as we know it. And we actually achieved Newt Gingrich with Clinton as part of it. They, they got us to a balanced budget, uh, using congressional budget office numbers. And, and we had great success for the country and it ended up being fine. Um, then of course, uh, in 96, I moved to the Fox News channel and that's the year that Clinton gets reelected. Uh, and, uh, then we get to 2000. And 2000, it's, it's Bush v. Gore. And you talk about an election mess. I mean, you know, hanging, swinging, dimpled, pimpled, perforated, you know, chads. And and the count goes on until December and the Supreme Court rules. Um, even to this day, you know, nobody can say with any certainty that 537 votes was what separated uh, George W. Bush from Al Gore. But a very contentious time. The Supreme Court gets involved. They use the equal protection argument, which I thought was kind of weak myself, to be honest, but it is what it is. Uh, we needed it, We needed it, uh, somebody to win someplace, somehow. And that's, that's how it panned out. Anyway, so you have that election mass and sure enough, George W. Bush gets inaugurated. Then 9-11, 2001 happens. Now America's on a, on a war footing. The country is in the middle of this, you know, war against terrorism. And 2004 was a tough re-election. I'll never forget that, that election day. The The election, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the exit polls came out that showed that John Kerry was going to be the next president of the United States. I remember this radio program. We got a call from Dick Cheney, called, got off a plane, lands, reads the exit polls, called into the show and said... The exit polls had projected that Bush and Cheney would lose Florida and they would lose Ohio. Well, they won both those states. The exit polls were wrong, and they were wrong by a lot. Um, And, and, you know, so on and so forth. Then in 2008, he got the election of Barack Obama. I didn't think John McCain ran a particularly good campaign. Uh, And it became somewhat inevitable. He was the anointed one and a lot of you know hype in the country and everyone loves obama blah 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 meanwhile the guy had no experience nobody vetted him we vetted him and we didn't win that election but then two years later what happened it was the rise of the tea party and the tea party had a profound impact on on the political landscape in this country and i felt in 2012 that was a winnable year i thought that obama could have been beaten and after the first debate, I thought Mitt Romney had it. I thought he'd win that race. And then he took his foot off the gas and just, just laid down for the next two debates. Wherever that advice came from, it was a disaster. Um, then 2016, we have the election of Donald Trump. Uh, then here we are 2020. We have Biden putting aside, you know, the FBI putting their thumbs on the scale of both those elections, something we'll get to in a minute. Um, so a lot happens in the country. And there's an ebb and flow to political cycles. And yeah, I would have preferred Herschel Walker win over the radical Raphael Warnock. Um, I don't blame Herschel. I thought some people are saying he wasn't a good candidate. And one of the things you got to look at, you got to make adjustments. Look at what football te- teams do. You talk to coaches as they're going into the locker room at halftime and a sideline reporter will ask a coach, okay, what do you, what do you think of what happened in the first half? Well, we got to make some adjustments on defense. Uh, clearly, uh, we're not stopping the run game. Uh, we've got to do a better job on offense. You know, uh, obviously we had too many penalties, whatever it happens to be. And they go in the locker room and they're like, all right, you guys need to admit that Republicans in some of these races could have picked better candidates. I'll, I'll give you one example. And I, and I like Doug Mastriano. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not singling him out. However, there's no doubt that Pennsylvania is a purple state. That's all there is to it. And he ran with no exceptions in light of the Dobbs decision, which it turns out that abortion was a much bigger issue on the ballot than anybody had anticipated, including me. But, um, anyway, when you make no than any other gubernatorial candidate in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania history since the 1940s, it just, it was so out of touch with the people of the state. And that then impacted the entire ticket. He loses by what, 14 points? Then you needed a whole bunch of ticket, you know, switching where people would vote for Shapiro for governor and then go to Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, you know, he only lost by two and a half, but there's only so much ticket splitting you're going to get in any one race. So, you know, you, you've got to have some better candidates. Tudor Dixon, if you're in the state of Michigan, you, you you better make exceptions when it comes to abortion, or at least send it to the state legislature, or put a referendum on the ballot, or find a way to get out of it somehow. <clears throat> if if you are rigidly pro life, politically speaking, I'm not talking about the moral aspect of it. So those are things that we can learn from this. But I'll tell you one of the biggest biggest things Republicans need to take away from uh, what happened yesterday and and 2022 in general number one you can't forget the victory the winning of the house is massive and it's the same amount it's the same it's the same margin that nancy pelosi had in the last congress and we saw the damage that they could do republicans now have charge of the committees they now have the power of the purse they now have the power to subpoena We're going to get real investigations into the Bidens, and it will be an investigation into Joe Biden and influence peddling, and I believe the evidence now is growing every day, and it will be overwhelming, and it will be incontrovertible. We'll also have an investigation into the FBI, especially into their influence in the last two elections, and I'll get into that in a little bit too. But I think that you know, until Republicans, and I don't know why this is the case. It's not the case in Florida. In Florida, th- look, Florida's had its election problems. They had problems in 2000. They had to fix those problems. Uh, and they they did. They went with another system. They, they fixed the problems in 2016. And now they're at the point where they can count 7.5 million votes in a couple of hours. You know the winner. And there's integrity in the system. And... Republicans in Florida are not reluctant. They're not resisting voting by mail. They're not resisting voting early in Florida. And they've, they have checks and balances. They have signature uh, verification. They have voter ID that must be included in even mail-in ballots. So the system has integrity to it, and the Republicans there are using the system. But if you look at a lot of these other states, Pennsylvania... I don't think one vote should be cast until unless and until they have all the debates finished. And, you know, same thing in a lot of these other states. My system would be simple. It would be make Election Day a national holiday, have voter ID, signature verification, have paper ballots, have partisan observers watch the voting in every precinct all day. And then when the polls close, they watch the vote counting all night. That's simple. But we don't have that system. That's the system we wish we had. That's the system we can have if we elect Republican governors and Republican state legislators and they, they buy into the simpler system. We have not the one that we wish we had. You can't start election day. I knew going into election day yesterday because I'd been looking online, looking at the early voting, doing an analysis after analysis, talking to all my friends in Georgia. And the consensus was that Herschel started out yesterday thousand he was down and yet he won election day voting by two hundred and thirty thousand. The problem is that number is too big a number to assume that you're going to get your voters out, especially if it's a rainy day or there's a call for rain and win. So what well, my my admonition to the Republicans and what do I know? I'm not even a registered Republican. I'm a conser- I'm a registered conservative is whatever the Democrats are doing with early voting, whatever they're doing, you need to at least match what they're doing, preferably do it better than they're doing, and you better accept the fact that this resistance and this reluctance not to go along with the system you're stuck with is not working well for you. You have to accept that and pick the best candidates that you believe can win in the respective states that you're running in. Some states that are purple are not going to accept a gubernatorial candidate that's going to have a say. So, you know, you have, if you're down hundreds of thousands of votes on Election Day and Republicans continue to resist the system that exists, not the one you wish existed, you're going to continue to pay a price. I'm not that bummed out by this. I am happy Republicans have the House, and I think from this point Republicans, if they make these adjustments, they'll do fine. But they got to understand what they're dealing with. And up to this point, they've not accepted that reality, or at least too many people have not accepted that reality. Look at what they're doing in Florida. Look at what they're doing in other states that are running, definitely need voter ID and signature verification. And then hopefully you elect state legislatures and governors that will put in a better voting system, one with more integrity, so you have full confidence in the results. Uh, but, you know, not playing on the same ball field, that's not going to work. Anyway, listen, I want you in these tough economic times to save as much money as possible. That's where our friends at Pure Talk come in, a, a veteran-owned company. Uh, for example, you can get talk, unlimited talk, text, and blazing fe- close to a $1,000 a year. Some families are saving much, much more than that. That's real money in your pocket You get the exact same cell towers, the exact same 5G network. You get the same number of bars in terms of coverage on your phone. You keep your phone. You keep your phone number. How do I know? I'm a customer. You're going to love this company. Uh, They got the best customer service of any company you'll deal with. It's simple to make the switch. Just dial pound 250 on your cell phone. Say the keyword. Save now. Do it now. You save an additional 50% uh, off your first month. That's pound 250, keyword, save now from our friends at Pure Talk, and they'll switch over in a matter of minutes. And do it, put the money in your pocket for the exact same service. Sean Hannity talks to the people involved in the top stories of the day. Every day, Sean
1: Hannity is
0: on Is on.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
4: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
4: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great.
2: Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list.
4: Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: One of them has to do with ballot harvesting and voter ID laws. Um, ballot harvesting, by the way, or ballot collection is allowed in a number of states, but often comes with restrictions over who can take the ballot. 25 states and D.C. have laws allowing the voter to have someone <clears throat> of their choosing return the ballot. 11 states have laws that allowing certain people, family members, for example, to return ballots on a voter's behalf. Alabama is the only state that explicitly says the voter must return the ballot themselves. The only one. 13 states did not have any specific rules regarding ballot harvesting collection. 16 states do not have voter ID laws. 16. And anyway, the states allowing voters to select someone to return the ballot. You know, th- this is one of these items that i don't think republicans are paying attention to and what i'm seeing emerging is democrats they're not really into the campaigning i'm the better candidate i have the better vision pressing the flesh holding rallies they they tend to hide in the basement avoid debates avoid the press and their whole team seems to be focused on ballots and only ballots and how to get ballots in the hands of the people they think are going to vote for them This is where Republicans need to play the same game to make it a level playing field. Get your dose of independence and liberty every weekday right here on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. So all these states with the ballot collection, ballot harvesting, ballot collection, whatever you want to call it, Um, I was surprised when I, when I looked this up today, I didn't know how many states actually had it, but I, it's just another area where I think the Republicans are, are behind the eight ball in terms of, I think the Democrats are playing a ballot game. I think the game has changed it's modernized. They're taking full advantage that they're running campaigns totally differently now. You know, Katie Hobbs wasn't out running rallies, answering the press, uh, pressing the flesh, taking selfies, signing autographs, shaking hands, kissing babies. And neither was John Fetterman. And neither was Joe Biden for that matter. And and so the that old model that look I still believe in that part of it. I think it's an important part. People get to know you, like you, understand you, understand your values, wanna wanna champion your cause. But I think the Democratic game has been avoid debates, avoid the media, hide in the basement And, and get your team out there and, and 25 states have laws allowing voters to have someone on their choose, of their choosing, return their ballots. 11 states have laws only allowing family members to return ballots. Uh, Alabama, the only state that says the voter themselves must return the ballot. 13 states don't have specific rules regarding ballot harvesting or collection. 16 states don't have voter ID laws. I mean so that's the system as it exists and what I'm saying is that I think Republicans especially 2020 changed everything. Democrats dug in deeper, you know, knowing that it was more now about a ballot game. And that's why if Republicans on election day if they remain reluctant resistant to voting early or to mailing in their ballots uh, which I'm um, the first to say. It's not my system. Don't blame me for the system. I'm I told you what my system is. My system is national holiday, election day, day of voting, make exceptions for the military. People can apply for an absentee ballot, they're gonna be out of the country, out of out of their state, sick, infirmed, elderly, whatever. Uh short of that is everybody goes on election day, they vote, paper ballot, and signature verification and voter ID. And you have partisan observers watching the voting all day in every precinct and partisan observers watching the vote counting after the polls close. That's simple. Um, now, there's one last thing that Republicans better keep an eye on for the future, too. And I don't know anyone else that's talking about it, but I actually dug deeper today to get more numbers. Uh, my Cracker Jack staff was helping me with all of this. And that is what I'm calling accelerated migration and that it's it's really simple you have you have two events i think that are are the cause for the acceleration one is i think that f- people just got fed up living in states like michigan and new york and and pennsylvania uh and other states that had draconian measures as it relates to covid and no in person learning for their kids coupled with the fact that baby boomers they're sick and tired of high taxes burdensome regulation, covid lockdowns and restrictions and and they're looking at states like the Carolinas and Tennessee and Florida and Texas and they're saying, you know what, there there are better options. So we see this migration that is now happening. For example, you know, inbound migration to Michigan is 48%, outbound is 52. You know, if you look at their the, the last year you know, they lost from 2020 to 2021. They lost, you know, nearly 20,000 residents left the state. Not a lot, but a significant amount. Uh, and I would venture a guess most of these people that are moving to red red states, they're moving and they're because the political values they don't like in their current states. They tend to be more conservative. That's why Florida's grown by leaps and bounds. Look at New York, for example. Um Only 42 percent inbound and 58% outbound. In other words, 58% of in terms of migration from New York, they 58% of people are leaving and only 42% are coming in. I mean, it's uh it's pretty dramatic and and they lost 320,000 people in the state of New York just from 2020 to 2021. You look at party affiliation, for example, in New York, you've got, you know, Democrats At at 6,400,000 and and Republicans at 2,800,000. It's not a state Republicans are going to win. Pennsylvania has a net outbound of 51%, inbound 49%. They're not leaving Pennsylvania in the big numbers like they are California and New York, but they're still leaving. And, you know, they're losing in that population. And that population, I would argue, again, is conservative. You want to know why Pennsylvania is a hard state for Republicans to win? Well, if you look at registration this year alone, Democrats have 4 million people registered as Democrats. Republicans have 3.4 million. That's a significant difference. If you look at Wisconsin, they're actually one of the few that are dead even. 50% inbound, 50% outbound. They actually gained 3,585 people from 2020 to 2021. Uh Look at California. They're just the exact same number as New York. 50 58%. Of people migrating or migrating outbound from california they're leaving only 42 percent inbound and if you look at the net loss population for one year 2020 to 2021 it's two hundred sixty-one thousand people that's a lot want to talk about democrats all right there are 10 million uh registered democrats out in california only 5 million republicans registered out in california now you look at a state like florida what's happening in florida 56% inbound and only 44% outbound. Florida, by the way, in the last, you know, they have experienced a 14.6% total growth in population from the census from 2010 to 2020. Net increase in population last year alone, over 200,000 people. If you look at voter registration, 2016, Democrats outnumbered Republicans. Now Republicans are up by, they have 5,200,000. Democrats have, uh, 4,900,000. I mean, that's a dramatic difference. Tennessee, people are moving to Tennessee. 55% are inbound, 45% outbound. They've had in the last census nearly a 9% growth in population. That's dramatic. In 2020 to 2021, 55,000 additional people moved to Tennessee. In Texas, 55% inbound. They're moving into Texas, 45% outbound. And if you look at the change, that's a 15.9% increase in population. They took on in one year an additional 310,000 people last year. In South Carolina, same thing, 56% inbound, 44% outbound. You know, if you look, they gained 60,000 people in one year last year. 10.7% growth since the last census. If you look at Arizona and Nevada, I have a little different take on it. And that is, both states have, what, in the case of Arizona, 54% inbound. In the case of Nevada, it's 53%. And if you look at the population growth, it's 12% in Arizona, 15% in Nevada uh Nevada's increased in a year the 30,000 people almost 100,000 in Arizona the problem is a lot of those people in Arizona and Nevada are coming from California and you know what the odds are 2 to 1 that they're likely democrats so that that's why that state is impacted if you look at North Carolina what do I say everyone's leaving states like Michigan and New York and California Uh, and Pennsylvania, and they're going to these other states. What does this mean? Why am I going through all of this? North Carolina, 55% inbound. They've had a 10% population growth since the last census. Last year alone, they added an additional 94,000 residents in the state of North Carolina. I mean, and in that state, by the way, it's almost dead even in terms of party registration. You know, Democrats have 2.4 million, Republicans, 2.2 million. So it makes sense when you're looking at the voting. Why Why am I saying all this? Because pretty soon, if this continues, we're going to have a math problem. Well, what is the math problem? How do you get to 270? In other words, okay, we don't have to worry about Florida. We don't have to worry about Ohio anymore. But now Pennsylvania, which was already hard for a Republican to win, is getting harder. By the way, they're, they're not moving to Georgia and anywhere near the numbers. They're moving to the Carolinas and Tennessee and Florida. So, you know, that's still a hard state, obviously, to win. Then you've got Michigan and Wisconsin. Michigan almost seems like a lost cause at this point, but Wisconsin definitely is not. Um, hopefully, that's a state Republicans can continue to win. I would think the hardworking people of Pennsylvania are going to get sick of, of this radicalism in their state. I don't think it represents their values. So the, the, that's where we are in terms of analysis things. A good starting point, if you will, of where to learn, in my opinion, uh, and and analyze and where you, improvements can be made. Um, listen, I want to... Um, I want to switch gears here, and I want to go back to the Twitter issue and this James Baker side of this issue. Um, so James Baker, remember, he was the guy, general counsel at the FBI. Yesterday, he was fired by Twitter, by Elon Musk. He worked as the general counsel first at the FBI, then the general counsel of Twitter. All right. He was also, by the way, the Clinton campaign's go-to contact at the FBI. Baker eagerly fielded, you might recall, calls from the Clinton attorney, Michael Sussman, who even talked to him about a job, who plied him with phony information about Donald Trump and Russia, etc. Now, Jonathan Turley, to quote him, he said, Baker has been featured repeatedly in the Russian investigations launched by the Justice Department, including the hoax involving the Russia Alpha Bank nonsense. And Baker was also reportedly responsible for disseminating the dirty Russian host- dossier of Hillary Clinton to the press, uh, passing it off as legitimate material. By 2018, Baker was under criminal investigation for leaking, forced out of the FBI, and of course, deep state members never get the same justice system as Republicans. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, so first he was a, a legal analyst at Fake News CNN, then he moves over to Twitter um, and becomes their deputy counsel. Anyway, but then we discovered through this whole process of releasing information and in terms of Twitter covering up and censoring and favoring the Democratic Party and being involved in election interference, to quote Elon Musk, um, he was the guy that was making the decisions we find out behind the scenes. According to Turley, you know, uh, he maintained non-public channels with the Biden campaign and later the Biden White House, in the run-up to the 2020 election, he was at least partially responsible for Twitter censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story, writing in a company memo, quote, it is reasonable for us to assume that Hunter may have been hacked, the Hunter Biden laptop, and this caution is, is warranted. But, but even the initial release of information and documents showed that Twitter said that's not going to hold. They didn't believe that. The FBI had this for nine months. The FBI could have easily have confirmed this was Hunter's laptop. There was obviously allegations by Hunter himself, implications that his own father was benefiting from this influence peddling and this family syndicate that Hunter's involved in, making millions from countries with no experience. Enemy countries of the U.S., like China. By the way, this is going to be a massive story come January. I guarantee you, it is going to be massive. Anyway, it's um, meanwhile, in the days and weeks that followed, then we find out that the FBI, who had Hunter Biden's laptop for 11 months, did nothing with it, started meeting weekly with all of these big tech companies, warning them that there might be outside interference or attempts at outside interference and information that is going to be disseminated, that is going to be false, and some of it may may involve hunter biden just so you know and they put the scare they put the pressure on all of these companies so they wouldn't report it and now they knew that rudy giuliani had it meaning the laptop and they knew the new york post had it so they knew it was coming and yet they wanted these companies to be on the lookout for this anyway so the fbi had had it since 2019 they knew it was real they knew it wasn't russian disinformation But that's not what they were telling these big tech companies. And I would argue, I'd like to know if Jim Baker knew it as well. I would assume he probably did. It was censored all over Twitter and by every other big tech company. And it had an impact. Despite all of this, anyway, Jim Baker somehow still was gainfully employed until yesterday. And not only was Baker working at Twitter, but he was the attorney personally reviewing and approving the initial batch of files that were released by journalist Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss who's part of this investigation and that's all part of Elon Musk's transparency efforts. Taibbi said quote over the weekend while we both dealt while we both dealt with obstacles to new searches it was Barry and Weiss said my jaw hit the floor. Short time later Musk fired Baker after calling Jim's explanation for the whole ordeal unconvincing. I mean I, it's, this is two presidential elections in a row where the FBI is putting their thumbs on the scale now that's something on top of things Republicans can do proactively this is something that has to happen as a country because now we're dealing with the law and the Constitution now we're dealing with election interference to quote Elon Musk that's a whole separate issue